Greetings to those who watch below. It's Friday, which means another stop on our tour of Paranormal USA. But first, I'd like to say thank you to those who dwell below, an exclusive channel membership that you can join by checking out the link in the description box. So thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, Irish Creepy Pasta Guy, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, and Julie B, our newest member. If you haven't already, please also subscribe to the channel, clicking the notification bell so that you don't miss any videos. But now, sit back, relax, and enjoy these terrifying paranormal tales from New Jersey. The Dandelion by Zen83 It all started with a precious story out of one of the weird New Jersey books. My mum was into all the ghost stories and happenings around New Jersey, and she found one that was very near and right down the road from my family. It was about the Changewater murders that occurred in 1843. It involved this man's family that was murdered during a robbery, so my family decided to go visit their graves. There were three of them at the graveyard down the road. On the graves was a curse written by the man's mother, saying those men that murdered them will be cursed and not go to heaven or hell. I was about ten at the time, and I picked a bunch of dandelions and thought nothing of it. We arrived at the graves, and I put down the dandelions as a memorial. I thought I was being nice. About a week later, I woke up from a dream, because I wake up in the middle of the night all the time, never being able to complete a whole night's rest. Standing over me was a tall man, wearing an old-styled hat, just looking down on me. He didn't look like he was wearing the clothes a normal person would wear. I was scared. I closed my eyes and hoped the man was gone. I reopened them, he disappeared, and I ran to my mother. She didn't care. Later on in the week, I woke up again. Nothing was at my door, so I wasn't scared to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. While walking to the bathroom, in the corner of my eye, something was crawling on the floor in a circular pattern. I thought of it as a chicken. I went to get my mum. It was still there when I got to her. She didn't see it. Only I did. Two weeks later, I finally thought all was done, hoping I wouldn't have to be so scared again in my life. I was wrong. I woke up, and at the end of my door was a lady, looking like she was wearing a dress. But her face... It was deceased, and she stared at me, and I closed my eyes, as I once did before with the man, and reopened them. I saw her walk past the door. I kept calling, Mom? Mom, is that you? No reply. I got up to go to my parents' room, and all I remember is my mum was sound asleep in her bedroom. I woke her up sounding as if I were monotone, with no emotion talking to her, saying, Mum, there's a lady standing outside my door. She didn't care, and told me to go back to bed. Four years later, I'm 14, and ever since then I've had a cross on my door, hoping I would never think of seeing something so frightening again. But my story, it didn't seem clear to me. A man, a woman, and a chicken. This doesn't seem right. I finally figured it out. The Changewater murders. A man's family. I realised what I saw was the man himself, his wife, and his baby. I'm 15 now. One day I will go back to the graveyard and put the dandelions on their graves and see if this reoccurs again. But in the end, I think they were just showing their appreciation for me visiting them. Big Red Eye Like Bigfoot, 
Big red eye sightings in the northwest corner of New Jersey describe a large bipedal creature covered with long hair from head to toe. But what witnesses in Sussex County who have seen the beast for themselves remember are the creature's glowing red eyes. Here are some accounts of run-ins with Big Red. Over a period of two weeks back in 1977, strange moaning sounds and eerie haunting screams filled the night along Wolf Pit Road in Sussex County. It always started around 2am and went on until almost dawn. The wailing noises were constant and they lasted for hours. It sounded like some kind of huge primate making these noises and it woke me out of a sound sleep. I had the windows open so I could really hear it well, but I couldn't tell which direction it was coming from. It was a terrible moaning, like something out of a horror movie, and it was so intense it just seemed to go right through me. It made the hair on the back of my neck stand straight up and my eyes water. I called my friends to see if they could hear it at their house, which is about a quarter mile away. It went on for such a long time, like an hour, said J.D. Grant, a neighbour. It was horrible, just this horrible blood-curdling wailing sound. I've never heard anything like it before. I've heard coyotes, bears and foxes, and it wasn't anything like that. It was this low, guttural sound. It went right through you. Another witness to the night of Big Red Eye Serenades was my friend Chris, who recalled, It was around 2.30am, and I just got home from work. I heard this low moaning noise, kind of a cry. It was hard to tell where it was coming from, because there were a lot of wooded areas. It definitely wasn't a person. Anything that could make screams that loud definitely had to be big. The only evidence left after these occurrences were a few overturned garbage cans. There were no footprints, but that may have been due to the fact that the ground was not soft enough. Grant recalls a night back in 1996, when she and a friend were walking along Leighton Road, when they encountered the creature nearing the side of the road. I knew it wasn't a bear. It was too lean and upright. It was humanoid. It had been there the whole time watching our approach. There was no noise, otherwise we would have heard something that big crashing through all the underbrush. It was tall and shaggy with red eyes, she said. The eyes were glowing red from reflected light, not glowing like LED lights. It just stood there motionless, arms hanging limply at its sides. It didn't seem to have any bad intentions, it was just creepy. Then of course we ran, and we didn't look back. I don't care what anybody says, I know what I saw. That is something you don't forget. I definitely did not go back to that spot anytime soon. If you dig through old newspaper clippings in the New Jersey Library, you can find more information on past big red-eye sightings, such as two men encountering a shaggy creature being attacked by two dogs in a Haynesville swamp. Also, in 1975, a forest ranger walking along the Sussex County Trail encountered a creature about eight feet tall with big red eyes. Big Red Eye is infamous for his run-ins with the High Point State Park Rangers, who coined the frankly terrifying name of this unknown creature. The Farmer and His Daughter by G. Beach I was eight years old when we moved to Colts Neck, New Jersey in 1976. My parents had the house built on about an acre and a half of property. The homes in the area were pretty new, although the town itself dated back to the 1700s. My family is large, 
so we were all excited to move into the six-bedroom colonial. My two brothers were the oldest, but my parents gave them the two downstairs bedrooms that jutted off the wing of the garage. For the first year, things were normal, until the day my brother Mike began complaining of noises outside his bedroom window. At first he said it sounded like bushes rustling in the wind and scraping against the siding and glass panes. My mum was sceptical, since there were no bushes or shrubs planted in the back of the house. As months went by, the noises continued and increased to a soft thud and then a sliding sound, like a person bailing hay against a barn wall. He didn't seem to mind the noises all that much, but when his closet doors would open by themselves, it really freaked him out, and he tried to tell our parents that he thought something was in the house, but of course they were cynical, since no one else had experienced anything. My tough 17-year-old brother began sleeping with the lights and his TV on. Before long, things started to disappear and reappear in very odd places. Car keys would disappear from the table and turn up in the kitchen cabinets. My brother's watch vanished for two weeks before ending up in the garage under a box of Christmas decorations. Even my grandmother's false teeth went missing, never to return. When my oldest brother Reem left for college, I would stay in his room sometimes. He had a great TV and an even better stereo system. The room was cold very often, and when I slept there, I would have the most vivid dreams. Not scary, but incredibly real. On several occasions, I would wake up freezing to find the blankets piled on the floor at the foot of the bed. Despite that, I really did enjoy that room until my brother's girlfriend came to stay one weekend. We were eating breakfast when she asked my dad if he came into the room the previous night. My dad said he hadn't. My brother Reen grew very quiet when I think back to it. She went on to explain an eerie story. She said she woke when she had heard her name being called. It was a man's voice, and when she answered, there was no response. Attributing it to a dream, she drifted back to sleep, only to be called again. This time, she saw the figure of a man standing over her. She said he was tall and thin, and on further observation, noticed he had sharp features and was wearing a floppy-brimmed hat and a frockish-style coat. She could not see his eyes, but he was illuminated by a faint bluish aura. He stood for a moment and then made his way back to the foot of the bed and out the wall. Thinking it was a dream, she went back to sleep. By this time, my brother was pretty pale at listening to her story. Reen is a pure cynic, black or white only, no grey areas need apply. He hesitantly told of an identical experience that had happened to him a few weeks before leaving for Glassborough Estate. He never mentioned it for fear we would all think he was crazy. His girl was pretty mad that he hadn't told her and let her sleep in the room. Nightlights became a staple in that back bedroom from then on. Not long after, my mum was in the kitchen. She turned to put something on the counter when she saw the figure of a little girl dressed in period clothing, bonnet and all, staring out our picture window. As soon as she saw her, she vanished. Like I said, Colt's neck is old. Phalanx Road was a main thoroughfare for the original settlers. Archaeologists would do digs in the surrounding areas and find old glass medicine bottles, farming yokes, and remains of homes that used to be. Back in the woods by the reservoir, there is a grave monument. I was young and I can't remember the name or the inscription, but it was very old and very out of place back there in the undeveloped woods. Was it the spirit of a farmer that used to live and farm on the land our house was built on? Was that his daughter? Did they die in the rumoured fire at Phalanx 
and don't know they've gone. I guess we'll never know. We moved out in 1984 and settled into a very unhaunted house in Whippany. When Coyote Howls by G Beach Despite my paranormal experience as a kid, nothing else occurred until I was 25. I became a divorced mother of two young girls and took a job at El Coyote in Netcong, New Jersey. It's a bright pink building with a long history. Before Coyote, it was two restaurants, Club 21 and Nellie Burke's. When I started working, no one ever mentioned anything to me about the strange things that would happen there. No one told me about the voices and the shadows, and that when your hair stood straight upon your arms, when you went downstairs was a common occurrence. I think they were waiting for me to tell them. My first experience was the knocking on the window. We closed up for the night, and I was going to meet other employees for an after-work drink. I was the last one out, parked down in the back on the ramp. The kitchen was right above me. I unlocked the car and heard the pounding on the windows. I looked up. The kitchen was pitch black. I felt the hair on the back of my neck prickle and my hands shook with my keys. Three more hard wraps on the window and I couldn't bring myself to look again. I beelined for the bar we were all meeting at. When I arrived, Brenda looked at me and asked if I was okay. Apparently I was very pale and had a hard time describing what had just happened. When I told her and the others, they just smiled and said, the coyote ghost made contact. Of course, I was intrigued, scared yet curious. I started talking to Bill, the head bartender. There were many nights he stayed after closing and heard only noises in the beginning. He heard silverware jingling by table 40. He saw shadows moving through the dining area and would investigate, finding no one. Soon after, he told me of the manifestation. He was cleaning up, catching some TV, when he heard the front door click. You can't see the front door from the bar, but when people come in, you can see their shadows on one entryway wall because of the chandelier in the lobby. He walked to the lobby and found not a soul. He walked to the dining room once, thinking they went inside, but again it was darkness. He walked back toward the front door, only to see the form of a man. He was middle-aged, wearing a white and black striped sweater and a closely cropped beard. He told me that upon seeing the dude, he screamed like a little girl. Big, burly biker Billy screamed. I had to laugh. Sometimes when I work, I hear my name being called. It's easy enough in a place where you work for the last 13 years. But when no one is really calling you, that's when you feel it. Your customers don't want you. Your co-workers didn't. That's a freak out. And it's not just me. It's all of us. The voice could be male or female and knows each and all of us because the staff have been there forever. The poor bus kids won't go downstairs anymore. My nephew has seen the same shadow I have, casually leaning in a doorway downstairs, observing us getting supplies. He quit. We just didn't help either. I don't like tangling with them anyway. We decided to call in researchers. Ironically, before they came, the relatives of the previous owners came in. Lynn was their waitress, and they told her the craziest story. Downstairs used to be a bar, as well as the one upstairs. When her grandpa would close Nellie's, he would call the cops at least twice a month, swearing there were people hiding downstairs. Bar stools could be heard moving around, bottles would clank together, but when the old man came down, it would stop. TSPR came in a few months later. 
activity was low, but the second time they returned there, there was lots more. A few entities occupy the building, it seems. Unfortunately, our owner died. We all still work there, but the place has been so quiet recently. I keep urging the new owners for renovations to see if our friends will contact us. We miss them, but maybe they moved on. And if that means peace for them, then that's cool with me. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like, and also if you haven't already, please subscribe to the channel, making sure to hit that notification bell so you know when the next video goes live. Also, if you have a state you want us to visit next on our US tour, make sure to let me know in the comments section. So, until next time, sleep tight. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.